Okay, g'day, John. How are you going? Good. How are you doing today, David? Yeah, really good. Yeah, good. Good to meet you too, John. Yes, very nice to meet you. Yeah, um, it's nice and um, chilly there at the moment, snow and all of that kind of stuff. It is extremely cold here at the moment. We've gotten a, a lot of snow this week and uh, yeah, negative 11 Fahrenheit right now outside, which would be, I don't know, in your Celsius world, but negative, uh, <laughs> quite a bit below zero. Yeah, I don't think I've even exper um, experienced something that cold before in my life. Yeah, probably around, what, negative 20 Celsius or so, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so John, how long, well, by the look of things, you've been a runner pretty much your whole life, is that right? Yeah, yep. Uh, I ran in, in high school. I ran uh, cross country and track we have here. So running 5Ks in the fall and, uh, you know, a half mile, mile and two mile in track in the spring. Um, yeah, pretty much I've only only done running as a sport since, you know, seventh grade. So pretty, pretty young. Yeah, because uh, um, in the States, I understand pretty much everyone does a sport. And did you choose running or did your parents tell you? you I want you to be a runner or how did you choose definitely running? didn't come from my parents um right. i you know as a little kid i played a lot of sports and honestly i wasn't very good at most of the hand-eye coordination baseball basketball and all those sports and just kind of uh tried running and i was much better at that than the other sports so just yeah. kind of stuck with that and enjoyed it yeah very good um so from what i can see um from what i could find on the internet it looks like your first ultra was in 2008. So do you remember when you first decided that you wanted to head down that ultra path? Yeah, so after college, I, I did, you know, a couple couple quicker marathons, you know, trying to improve there. And then, uh, yeah, just kind of caught my eye. There's a, the first, uh, first race I did was a 50K, just pretty close to home. Um, so I just want to give it a try. It's a pretty good, uh, pretty, uh, uh, a trail 50K. Um, so it was a good learning experience because, you know, trail 50k versus a road marathon is, uh, you don't want to approach it the same way. And I did, and yeah, didn't go that well, but good learning experience, but nonetheless got me hooked and just kind of kept escalating from there to 50 mile, you know, hundred mile and eventually, you know, way down the road landed in backyards. But yeah, that was quite a while ago. So kind of had a longer, longer path and wasn't nearly as competitive when I started out. Right. Um, so I saw you, um, you ran a, the third, you came third in the, um, I think it was 100 Ks in, was it 100 Ks in America or was it 100 miles? You were Probably there. 100 miles. Yeah, yeah. So I can imagine you probably ran, well, how fast did you run the marathon back in the day when you were running those races? Uh, yeah, I think my quickest was 257. So right. just, just under the three hour mark. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so I understand that you ran a couple of virtual uh, backyard ultras before you actually, but because of COVID, I, I understand. And and you actually won the quarantine backyard ultra with 51 hours using your treadmill? Yeah, so so back in, you know, I, I had, 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 had done a lot of 100 milers and different races. And then, you know, uh, in, what, 2019, I was like, oh, you know, I want to try something new. I'll, you know, saw the, you know, had seen some of the backyard stuff going on. So I signed up for a backyard that was in person here in Wisconsin in April of 2020. And, uh, everybody knows what happened in 2020. So, but it just so happened the, the first edition of the quarantine backyard was the same exact day as the day I was ex supposed to do a backyard event here in Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the first one I, 
was 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 what was a more broadcast one or more people saw it. It had more big names in it, but um, that one was uh, I ended up between the I think it was between the 38th and 39th hour. I lay down on my couch to take a nap and didn't get it up, and you know it races over with the backyard. So um, yeah, in the in the second edition of it is when I. My my uh, wife babysat my naps, and uh, I woke up, and yeah, and that race ended up winning with fifty one yards on my treadmill, which I hope I never have to do again. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine if you had your couch right next to your treadmill, it would have been pretty easy to go to sleep like when you started going over that twenty four hour mark. Yeah, yeah, but the treadmill, yeah, treadmill is not the perfect venue for a running event of that distance. I <laughs> I, I don't enjoy running on the treadmill in general. Right, no, I'm. Unless it's icy outside, I'm usually not on the treadmill. So um, not my first choice, but uh, given the circumstances, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. How they yeah. Had those um, and um, so running in a backyard ultra had been on your radar for, for a little while, but COVID interrupted all that, I, I guess. Yep, exactly. So I was, I was definitely interested in it already and just kind of COVID, you know, kind of exploded the sport. And I was kind of part of that, just kind of, that's what was available for those, you know, first six months. Yeah. And I see that the first real life Backyard Ultra you did was called the Big Hill Bonk Backyard Ultra in 2021. So can you tell me a bit about that race? Yeah. So the Big Hill Bonk is, it's just like an hour drive away from my house and nice and convenient, but it was a, a silver ticket race that year. So if I if I won that event or golden ticket, sorry, they've changed the terms, golden ticket, and uh, so if I won that, I would automatically get to go to Biggs. So um, that's the one that I was initially planning to do in 2020, but that's getting pushed back. So eventually, once it was held, um, I got to go race there and had some pretty good runners in it that year because it was a golden ticket event. But but yeah, I was able to. It's a it is a pretty hilly course. It's a mix of road and trail, but it's the same loop day and night. Um, and yeah, it was it was very hot that race. Um, I'm not good at my Celsius conversion, but it was between you know up above 80 degrees Fahrenheit the entire race, um, which is pretty warm. Um, but yeah, just kind of uh, that race. I think it, that race I only really ended up going like 34, 37 yards. I'm not sure how exactly how far, but due to the conditions. But um, but yeah, was able to just kind of kind of stick it out in that one, and that's what got me my first ticket to go to Biggs and kind of. Started the whole uh, last few years of what I've been focusing on. Yeah, and as the name implies, Big Hill Bonk. I love that name, by the way. Um, it, there is a there's a big hill in it, is there? There is a big hill in it. Yep. So it's uh, it has you know some ups and downs the entire time, but right in the middle of the loop, there is a big hill that you have to walk up. Yeah. So it's it's pretty steep, and it's a lot longer than anything at Big's course, but um, but yeah, it's just the the one kind of big hill. Yeah, cool. And it looks like you're you're fully immersed in the backyard ultra scene since then. I mean, apart from an aborted 100 miler, I saw you did. They've all you run. They've they're the only races you've run in since that big hill bonk. Yeah. So in 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 general, I try not to do too many races. Um, I I just enjoy really having those couple of races that I focus on each year usually. Um, especially now that I've done the backyard, and it's kind of these long events that take more more out of my body. Um, yeah. I, I really like having that one thing to really focus on and kind of trade train towards. So um, I know there's other guys that were at Bigs and like within a month we're running a marathon again afterwards, and I'm, I'm just not one of those people. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I've, 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 
I've in, in, enjoyed the the, the the format, but then also, um, you know, I like kind of long build up to it and then also having plenty of time to rest afterwards and kind of get back into the next cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about runners who enjoy racing again, I was just watching the uh, live stream of Ehor. He just came first in the Hurt 100s. So I was just watching his, oh, his racing. <laughs> yeah. I still haven't ran more than 30 minutes consecutively since Biggs two months ago or two wow. and a half months ago at this point. So. Yeah, um, I had some issues with my leg too, but uh, yeah, in general, I, I I like to take a couple months uh, around the holidays to focus on uh, you know eating and playing video games instead of running. Yeah, and if it's going to be so cold at the moment, it's probably a good time to do that. Have a rest and stuff. Yeah. Yep, yep. I like to rest up. Uh, I mean, I'll I'll, I'll, run, I'll run more than more than more than I have this year. Usually, I had some issues, you know, with my leg that kind of made me. Take some extra time off but yeah in general i just it's nice to keep it low-key and um it, it is kind of fun to get out there and i have all the cold weather gear to get out there and yeah. do some runs when they tell you not to leave your home but um yeah. yeah in general it's not the worst time of year to have a little little bit of less volume yeah i actually follow i forget his first name his surname's yovachin he's you would know him he yep. Posted, yep, Dan. yeah he posted a photo of himself on instagram and his whole face was frozen it was like covered in ice. Yep, yep, that's normal this time of year. If I go for a run right now, all the sweat immediately freezes. So it's just <laughs> your face is just covered in ice when you're done. <laughs> um, so after yeah, after you ran at Bigs for Team USA in 22, I was going to say it does look like you had a few months of little to no running at all. And from what I saw, I thought maybe you were injured with stress fractures. Is that correct? Yeah, so in... May or at the beginning of well, been the end of April and 22, I got a stress fracture in my heel. Um, so that took me out for a while and it was then kind of like a, Hey, how can I, how can I still try to get, you know, work back up and do big. So that's the only race I did in 2022. Um, but yeah, so I was, I ended up being able to start running again, whatnot until early July, I think, or late June. Um, just started doing, you know, little run walks and, you know, was able to just build up as aggressively as I could, but still I had a lot lower training volume in 22, but was able to get to bigs, um, feeling pretty healthy. And yeah, in 22 ended up going, what I think, 74 yards in that one. So, um, yeah, somehow it all came together, but definitely my overall fitness wasn't nearly as good in 22 when I was there. And did you come away from that race with stress fractures as well or were you come away by with a clean bill of health no i yeah i wasn't feeling very good after that race <laughs> my uh yeah my heel was definitely hurting um and in general i was just just wiped out from from everything so um yeah. but yeah i wasn't too terrible but yeah my i wanted to take some time to really just focus on i did some other strength training and a lot of a lot of biking um just kind of get back into things and Try to try to. I I pushed the timeline quicker than I probably should have after the first time from the stress fracture. So trying to just add a little bit more healing time in before I start ramping things things up. Yeah, and I mean, you. I think you were the third from the last one standing in that race. But so I mean, you're still and you did seventy four to qualify for bigs easily. But did you did that? Is that what ended that race at seventy four for you? The the pain in the heel or. What, what, no, what? actually, I was having uh, some pretty severe sleep deprivation issues. Oh. So I didn't, I did not do good sleeping in 22. 
I I think I estimated I slept about 10 minutes over the 74 hours total. Oh, yeah. Um, so I was getting to the point where I, I couldn't see straight. I couldn't, I couldn't like feel my feet hitting the ground anymore. So it was in Bix is a pretty technical uh trail course during the daytime. So um I was just I, I wasn't able to to keep my senses going and and kind of get around the course. So um yeah, that was that was definitely my struggle when I ended my race in 22. It's just just a sleep deprivation. Sure. Were were you hallucinating as well? And um anything like that? Absolutely. So it <laughs> Bigs in the nighttime, you're on just these rural country roads, right? And there's like bushes on the side. And I kept seeing overpasses that I was running underneath of. And there, there's no overpasses there, I promise. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, I was definitely seeing a, a lot of things in 22. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as we mentioned, that 74 yards you ran that in that race, that easily qualified you for bigs that we just had in 23. But at that stage, were you comp like did you think yeah 74 that will get me in or but because there was still 12 months to go so or were you thinking of oh, a line ball yeah i was i was really hoping that was going to get me in um uh, yeah I was, I was i was really thinking it would but i i did sign up or yeah i was in 22 so so yeah i was i was kind of banking on the fact that that was gonna get me in because i just did a 100 mile which you noticed i had a dnf earlier this year in my 100 mile but um yeah that's the only thing i put on my plate just kind of hoping hoping that 74 would get me be good enough to get into bigs this year yeah yeah and look at i think at the end i mean 55 was the cutoff so i mean you're well and fully you would have got in with this 63 i think that you ran at bigs in 21. yep i think it was 62. i've i've increased in uh intervals of 12 every year with my pr i don't know why yeah yeah, I've I've noticed that like if you haven't been the last one standing, you've run a PR every time. Yep, at bigs. Yep, yeah, pretty good. Um, so you pretty much had a whole year to prepare for bigs. Um, so what was your strategy to get to bigs in as best a shape as possible? Yeah, so I, I definitely spent the whole year focused on bigs. Even that hundred mile race wasn't my focus. Um, so really, I just the whole year was just geared towards ramping up and being in peak shape for bigs um so yeah did 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 did, did, did some strength work and then uh yeah just kind of kind of kept the kept the volume a little bit lower over the beginning of the year um and with the entire goal of just making sure that i'm healthy um getting into bigs um and then yeah i did a lot of things with you know sleep ended up ending my 22 race so kind of working on a lot of things for my sleep strategy and making sure I'm in the best position to, to get a little bit of rest going into 23 between loops. Yeah. Cause I mean, I know Harvey Lewis, he takes his yoga mat to his, where he works at school and he'll sneak in little naps here and there. Like, do you do anything like that where, where you work or anything like that? Yeah. So actually I fall asleep super easy all the time other than this race until, <laughs> until this year we did very well with it. But, um yeah prior to like in general i take a nap at work almost every single day wow. i can just be sitting up in my office chair and i will just fall asleep and take a five minute nap and then be good for the rest of the day so yeah in general that's a part of part of what i do every day anyways the, those little cat naps but i just hadn't quite figured out how to kind of get my mind into a place where i can do that during the race yeah um did you have any key metrics as far as training goes that you wanted to make sure you hit like a weekly mileage or monthly mileage or elevation or anything like that 
No, I'm not really, really focused that much on it. I, I work, I work, I work with a coach, uh, coach Travis at Personal Peak Fitness. It's in Canada, but, um, he, he kind of helps me, you know, make sure with all the, all the math and getting everything, you know, lined up and all the periodization. I, I, I prefer just focusing on running and not all that stuff. So, um, yeah. I really enjoyed working with him so he can kind of help get all that, you know, worked up and, not, you know, all the volumes things. So I don't think about the numbers very much. And yeah, there's no like certain, like, I'm not like that that excited when I hit like I don't I'd never hit a hundred mile week this year, but right. um I'm not I don't have any sort of like goals for like that when I'm training. Yeah. Well I mean look um, I, mean, I, I love my long weekend runs. So that's what I really like building those up. So by the end I'm run you know running a 40 mile run, you know, on the on the weekend is my long run. So that's why I, I really enjoy those long runs. So that's what what excites me and try to try to get to the point. You know, once I at least get to the point where I'm running a marathon every weekend, that's when um I really enjoy it. Yeah. And I mean, look, I mean, you've obviously found what works best for you because, I mean, you ran the race of your life at Biggs running 98. So, I mean, because I compared your, I mean, to some other runners, they'll run like double the amount of, that you do. But um, but I was wondering, like, maybe you were like um, not running as much just to um, look after your injury or anything like that. Yeah, that definitely was part of it early in the year. So I did focus a little bit more on doing kind of biking and then and all throughout the year I was doing my my intensity work on the bike instead of running to try to keep myself you know a little bit healthier as well um which I think works out well and um but yeah it, it, I definitely had a lower volume due to the kind of issues I had the year before and wanting to right not caring what my mileage was early in the year just trying to trying to peak for for bigs there yeah so you mentioned you've got a, a coach um, I know a lot of coach, a lot of runners also um, do a lot of work on their mindset, and they'll have a mindset coach. So, is that an area you also worked in, worked on leading into bigs? Your mindset. Um, you know, in terms of the actual race mindset, um, I mean, it's always tough. And this year, actually, I had more ups and downs than than usual. But um, I, I've I've usually been pretty good in terms of just focusing on the one lap at a time. That's actually why I, I like the backyard event. Um, I think it's, for me, it's easier mentally than like, uh, I was doing timed events before, like a 48 hour race. And I feel like it's just like a race like that is so daunting. Right. So if you, if you get, you know, 20 hours into a 48 hour race and you start having issues, your mind starts racing to, oh man, I have 28 hours. What do I have to calculate? What do I have to do? What can I break to still hit my goals? It's just, it's, I, I feel like that format is, is much tougher, at least from a mental perspective. Um, when the backyard, you just focus on a, one hour at a time and make sure that you're putting yourself in a position where you can keep doing one more hour. So, um, personally, I think the mindset's better. The The part I needed to work on was sleeping. So just calming my mind so that I could fall asleep. And for me, once I fell asleep, I fell asleep in the first night a handful of times and I already had more sleep than I got the whole race last year. Um, and once I did that, then I was really just fine. Cause at that point I knew I could do it. I knew it was in a better spot and my mind was calm and, yeah, that's that 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 just helped me so much this year. Get yeah, a way way more sleep. Yeah, I guess it just would have put you put your mind at rest. Like, a, yes, I'm sleeping. It kind of relaxed you, like being able to sleep on that first night. Yeah, the yeah in 2022, like every night I laid down, I was just like anxious. Like I need to get sleep. Like I need to go to sleep, and that's that doesn't help you go to sleep. Yeah, even like even on a normal night when you're lying in bed, it doesn't help when you're thinking like that. Yep. Yeah. Um, what about um, 
so some runners I've spoken to, like Rob Parsons, for example, he'll um, he went into the race with a mindset of he's not even going to count the loops. He's going to purposely not even know what loop he's up to. And I know a lot of runners do that. Um, is what is that what you did? Like, were you just ignoring what loop you're up to? Or were you kind of like aware? Yeah, it definitely isn't my focus. I'd use I'd have to calculate it. Like, I have to look at my watch to see what time of day it is to know what loop I'm on. So it wasn't the definitely wasn't top of my mind. Um, as you get closer to like the end of the days or end of the nights, so I'll I will keep track of like how many you know, kind of a countdown right till I get to switch because having that day course and night course at bigs, at least for me, I look forward to both switches very much. By the time I've done, you know, 11 day loops, I'm definitely ready for the roads. By the time I've done 13 night loops, I, I want to be back on the trail. So yeah. kind of towards the end, having that countdown is is kind of kind of helpful, I feel. But um, yeah, yeah, it definitely isn't the top thing on my mind. Like I said, I'd have to I'd have to calculate it every time I wanted to know because it's it, not something I was really thinking about that much. Yeah, yeah. And I've noticed that um, you've got a bit of a different technique with your watch as well. So um with me, when I run the back out, I'll just press start at the start of the race and then I kind of know what loop I'm up to if I look up my watch because it will tell me how long I've been running for. But but you actually um, start and stop every loop. Every loop is a run. So anybody that follows me on Strava gets really annoyed with uh, <laughs> a million different tracks coming in during my backyard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just how I've always done it. And I, I, I just have a Garmin watch that it's it doesn't last the whole race anyway, so um yeah i just i just will end it and then once or twice a day it'll i'll leave it back at the tent and take my my garmin watch from 15 years ago with me and oh. run with that one instead for a loop all the other one charges so but yeah i just keep them all separate tracks and i, I like to have my pace for the current current track which i know you can do with loops and laps and stuff but yeah i've always just restarted every hour yeah it's it is a good strategy for people who don't want to count their loop or know what loop they're up to as well i guess yep i don't know i i've never really even thought of doing it the other way that's just what yeah. i've always done but, yeah. yeah and and i think you had to do it because you would have done it for the quarantine backyard ultra you had to prove that you've at, you'd actually run that distance is that probably how you had to do it for that one for those first exactly yep. so for the backyard ultra i had to take a picture of my treadmill every hour when i finished yeah. And then that gets up and then I have to upload that to Strava whenever convenient. So sometime during the next loop, usually I would, you know, be sitting with my phone and or I'd be walking, you know, do in one of my walk breaks on the treadmill. I'd just have to enter a Strava post with a picture of my treadmill from the previous loop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what what kind of things like were going going through your head? Like, did you have any mantras that you were like? that you would repeat to yourself in your mind to keep yourself going when things are tough? No, I mean, I, I really just focus on on the little things, right? Especially, you know, those night loops get tough as you get into the third and fourth nights. Um, so I actually paired up with Harvey Lewis, and we were running shoulder, shoulder to shoulder the entire third and fourth nights pretty much. Um, so we were just kind of focused on, hey, let's run this little bit. Let's walk this little bit. And like... Well, I don't know. We talk a little bit, but like people are like, oh, you spent that much time with Harvey. What you talk about? And as we talk about running and how far we're going to go until we start walking again. And like this, you know, there's some crazy, crazy things coming out of our mouths because we're sleep deprived and everything. But for the most part, yeah, just as weird as it sounds, just 
focusing on running the little, you know, little bits at a time. And that's, that's kind of how I've always been with running. So I don't, I don't use music when I run, even if I'm going on a five hour run by myself at home, I just like to be out there kind of with my thoughts and just mostly thinking about running while I'm out there. Yeah. Cool. Um, because Biggs was like, I mean, it was an amazing race um, with so many amazing runners from all over the world. Were there, I mean, were there any particular runners that you like hadn't met before that you were excited to meet and excited to run with? Yeah, so we kind of break into, right? So there's some folks like like Phil Gore. I was never around Phil Gore, right? He's just running quicker than me. Yeah. Um, but like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I definitely enjoyed run, run. I ran with uh, Rob and Aaron from Australia, and both those guys are just so so fun and yeah. chatty. A, a lot, of, almost all the Australians, right? Are just yeah. seem to be very chatty people, so they're always fun to be around. But um, I don't know if there's like an individual person I was looking forward to. I just enjoyed the company, whoever I was around, right? So getting a it definitely adds a very fun aspect to the race where you get to meet all these people that I've. Right. You see all these people on Facebook and all the, like doing all the, you know, following all the big races and then everybody kind of gets to come together and, and enjoy this race. And you realize just everybody's out there kind of with the same, same goals. Right. And kind of just in the backyard, it's such a, such a fun race where you get to start every loop together. And, and it's just such a socialist and really not that competitive until you're getting down to the last few people. It's yeah. just everybody trying, trying to go as long as they could. So yeah, it's just awesome, awesome experience to be able to, to kind of spend so much time chatting with people from all around the world. Yeah. And, and looking around, like, especially at the start of the race, was it kind of like, um, was there an, like a f different feeling to different backyard ultras? Like, was there like electricity in the air, like a bit of a, an aura just because of the occasion and all the runners who were there? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So there's no electricity for the excitement of it, but at the same time, it's almost kind of boring at the start because at a normal backyard, you have people dropping at yeah. two yards in, four yards in, six yards in, and that number keeps decreasing over time. At Biggs, I mean, no, you know, nobody's planning to to bail before forty eight hours for sure. Um, you know, some things happen to force people out, but that it's just kind of kind of the warm up period, right? Where like not much is happening the first forty eight hours. So um, it's positive. I, that's where I've done you know a lot of the chatting with a lot of different folks. You know, you're not really. You know, you're just most people are just still having a good time, not having to focus too much yet. But, um, but yeah, at the same time, it's it's kind of weird. It's almost at the beginning, it's very electric, and then you just get into this like period of like 40 hours where nothing much is happening in the race. You're just kind of going through the routines and getting around the course. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if you've um, looked at your times after the race and like just like looked into it very much but i've looked at your times that you were running a little bit and i noticed that your first night was easily what easily stood out as your fastest period of the race was that part of the plan or part of a plan or just the way things worked out just kind of how it works out like even you know i i, I, try, I try to run at you know a conservative pace but also i want to be at an efficient pace right so whatever feels you know good for the body i don't want to be slowing down more than what feels like it's the most efficient pace for me right so if i can get a little bit more rest that's great as you know without pushing my body so that's just just the reason why the first night's a little bit quicker everything's so easy and so loose it just kind of ends up being a little bit quicker than the other nights but still i mean still comparative to the field you know i'm definitely towards the slower end of of lap times throughout the whole race 
Mm. And I noticed that the third day um, stands out because every loop was fifty five minutes was actually the fastest loop you did on the third on the third day. Every every other loop was slower than that. So was something going on, or was were you just was that part of the plan? Yeah, you know it wasn't the plan going in, but that's when I started. Me and Harvey teamed up, and we just got into a rhythm of kind of doing our run walks, right? And that's where it landed is comfortable doing it. And we got in, you know, with not much time left. But um, like I said, I was able to, even on those loops, I was able to fall asleep. Um, as long as I got in before 57, pretty much, I was able to get like a minute of sleep or so at least, um, which doesn't sound like much, but um, even just getting like one minute of sleep, I know folks that like, you get tired in the afternoon and you sit down and you start to like nod off you fall asleep for a minute, then you wake up and you just feel like rejuvenated a little bit. Um, it's just kind of like that over and over again. So, um, yeah, it was working for us. So didn't, didn't decide to change anything. And, um, having somebody to run with at that point in the race is pretty beneficial as well. Yeah. So from my experience, when I've run at backyard ultras, usually when runners start running around that 57 minute mark, it's a sign that they're about to drop. But the thing at Biggs is all these runners were just kept on going and going and going, even if they were coming in kind of late. So was that new for you as well? Or is that kind of how, because you've run at Biggs a few times, is that how it usually is? Yeah, it can be like that. But I think I think definitely we were going a little bit slower than I have in the past. Um, but yeah, we were, I mean, I feel like Harvey and me were kind of the, it's, that third night was a lot of fun because we were almost like the sweepers on the course, right? Like once you got behind us, we knew, you know, some people were in trouble. Yeah. Um, but then those people were just joining us. Yeah. It's like, I don't know if you've seen like the pictures, but there's pictures of like in the third morning, the sun coming up and just like a group of us. Right. So that was like what this group had kind of formed into by the morning. Everybody just trying to get through that third night. And there's like a picture of like eight or nine of us just like emerging in the in the dawn right and so that 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 that's what that picture was really which was you know it's mostly harvey harvey's just like oh come on you got to join us you got to get through this third night so yeah. just kind of pulling people along with us and just do our you know run and walk with us and you'll you'll finish the loop and line up for the next one yeah um something that a lot of um runners commented on and a lot of i noticed as well is how dusty the trail was and it was causing runners to have blood noses and other irritations and things like that. And because you were experienced at Biggs, this was your third time running there. Um, how did the amount of dust compare to the previous times you'd run there? Yeah, it wasn't even close. So it had it had rained a little bit. Some of the I think each of the previous two years it rained at some point of the race, um, but it had been so dry this year. It was it was pretty terrible for, for from my perspective. I thought it was it was really bad. And I didn't realize how bad it was until after the race because I was just, I had a cough for like two weeks after the race. And yeah, I had a, I had a couple of nosebleeds during the race. And yeah, I hope, I hope it's not like that next year because that it was, it was pretty rough breathing in that, that dust. And you know, I didn't really notice it till a few days in, but the entire, you know, every time you stop your foot on that trail, it's like a cloud of dust and you have all everybody out there doing that and you're running pretty close to other people usually. And yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty bad. Yeah, especially on those first couple of days when there was like 70-odd runners um, kicking up all that dust. Yeah, yep. And it, it just didn't get it better as the race went on with all the, all the foot traffic in there. It was just all that loose 
dirt, you know, this just dusty dirt sitting on the top of the trail. It was, it was, it was pretty bad out there. Yeah. Well, what type of irritations did you, did it cause you? Did you get a blood nose or anything like that during the Yeah. Night? So I had a, a couple of bloody noses, which I've gotten a bloody nose every year at Biggs. It's just kind of something that happens to me. I don't, I just have issues with bloody noses, but, um, but yeah, this year was definitely worse. And usually I've only noticed myself getting one. And this year, like, I don't know, it seems like half the people that were left on the third day were, were getting bloody noses. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I mean, there was you would have noticed or seen the footage. I'm guessing of Harvey Lewis. He had blood all over the front. Oh yeah, I was running next to him, and he's just like he's got facial hair, right? And it's just like all caked in blood, and yeah, it looked, it looked gnarly. <laughs> um, yeah, so you mentioned that the um, sleep is a big reason why you think you've improved, why you improved on that performance, and on the live stream. Have you watched much of the live stream back, by the way? I, I have not actually. It's on my list. At some point, if I do a long treadmill run, it's got something to, to watch at least. But um, but no, I haven't really. I, I watched back the the last hour of my race right. and then the finish with Harvey. Yeah, the um yeah because you, on the live stream you actually had a conversation with Laz and um, you mentioned to him how much better you slept at this race than the than than, than you did with Team USA, and I was wondering. Um, um, do you use caffeine? Most runners will have caffeine, a caffeine strategy. Do you have a caffeine strategy or anything like that? Um, my strategy this year was not to use much caffeine. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I had, I usually don't consume caffeine on like a daily basis. Very little. I'll have a cup of green tea, which has not much caffeine in it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it, it, my strategy this year was to try to avoid the caffeine. Hopefully I can, I can sleep. I don't need the caffeine to keep me awake and then that'll make me sleep better and I'll just get into a better cycle than I did last year. So that was a part of it. I don't really, since my body's not used to it, I was just trying to trying to avoid it and seeing if I get, get through it. I did have little bits of caffeine, but um, very, very little. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when you did, was it in like the form of like Coca-Cola or um, what? So I was actually had a little uh, like breath mints that have little bits of caffeine in it. So um it is very very low doses but yeah just something to more of a mental thing right like i really feel like i'm that bad in the middle of the night can just chomp a few mints down that don't have much caffeine but it gives you a little little mental mental lift up yeah and i can imagine that that would kind of like feel nice in your mouth as well because you know how sometimes your mouth feels funny when you've been running for that long and just oh yeah <laughs> it takes a while for the mouth to recover after these races yeah. um all the all that sugar and salt and everything going through oh yeah yeah i have sores all in my mouth every time i finish so yeah but yeah it's uh it's nice to the the mint the the mint feeling itself even without the caffeine you know can give you a little bit of a little bit of uh pick me up in your head yeah sure um i had frank the tank on the podcast a few weeks ago and um did you run with him much I uh, a little bit towards towards the end when it was getting, he was also doing some pretty slow loops for a while towards the end yeah. um, during the nighttime. So yeah, I was around him a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a funny guy, um, <laughs> and um, yeah, so he ran ninety seven yards, um, and I asked him if he if he thought he would have made a hundred if if the um, race stayed like if he didn't switch to the trail if it stayed on the road would have he made it to a hundred, and he said yes. Um, what what do you, do you reckon you would have made it to a hundred if if you stayed? Absolutely, 
Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had to, I had to stop because I was having issues with my leg. My I couldn't really bend my ankle for a while, but then my knee started to lock up. Which on the road you can just kind of power through, right? You can just like force your legs, you know, one step in front of the other. And once you get on the trail, you have to have some movement. You have to be able to, you know, to to have some agility to get around that course. And I just wasn't at the I I, I couldn't get around the course anymore with my leg. My leg just was like all locking up. So um, I feel like if I was on the road, I could have through a few more loops probably yeah and and that's something that i picked up on the live stream too like it was obvious that you were feeling it was your right leg i believe um yeah. and so was that something you were dealing with for a while or did it just like just explode on that trail no so yeah, yeah it started the third the third night is when i started having issues down like the front of my shin towards my ankle um so it was it was angry for quite a while um and yeah it was extremely swollen by the time i finished but um yeah it was just getting worse and worse than that like i said i just kept losing more and more mobility in my ankle i couldn't couldn't bend the ankle anymore which like like i said on the road you can push through but once you start not having being able to bend your leg those those trail loops that are pretty technical get pretty tough yeah when i know some runners do some runners don't um do you like take panadol or anything like that when you're feeling a lot of pain somewhere in your body like did you take panadol or anything like that no i don't i don't take any any pain medicine usually yeah I, i'm not a, i don't in general i try not to do too much of that stuff and i have stomach issues like with i'm not sure what the medicine was you referenced whether it was motrin or ibuprofen i don't know if that's a normal in uh in oh. australia but like the anti-inflammatories I, I i don't really like take them unless i really need to yeah sure yeah uh, panadol is uh paracetamol i'm not sure if you know what that is i think it's different names here in the states yeah <laughs> yeah sure um so when it was just um you and harvey left out of the us runners did it cross your mind that like if i outlast this guy like in the 90s were you thinking if i outlast harvey here i'll be um the national record holder yeah, I'd be lying if I said I didn't think about that for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll still focus on just running a lap at a time, and I know that Harvey also was not planning on stopping. But yeah, well, yeah, it was, I'd be I'd be lying if I told you that wasn't wasn't in my mind once we hit the national record. Yeah, yeah. And and what about reaching one hundred? Were you thinking about that hitting that mark while you were out there as well? Um, maybe in the early nineties, I still was, but once I got to those late nineties and I was just really just so, I was so focused on just trying to get through each lap, right? Like when I came that first, first loop on the fifth day, I guess, um, is when, you know, I was, I was super focused, super like in the mindset of, I have to like run almost as hard as I can to like get around this, this trail course. So I wasn't thinking about numbers at that point. I was just trying to, trying to get out as many laps as I could. Yeah. And leading into the race did you had you set yourself any goals or anything like that or was it just like go till i just can't go anymore yeah i mean that I, that's one of my favorite parts about the backyard too is you don't really need goals i think i call them milestones along the way right so i'm not i'd be lying if i said i didn't know what the american national record was or you know what my pr is and what you know the biggest record you know course record and all that is but um at the same time yeah it's it's just my goal going into this race is to run until i physically can't finish a loop or um or i'm the the world champion so those were really my my goal was to hit one of those two things 
Um, cause this was the first year that I actually timed out on a loop. Um, so that was one of my goals is to make sure that I am out there. I'm starting every loop and then end of my race is when I literally can't physically get around the course. So in the other races, um, when you weren't the last one standing with, did you just, um, stop in the chair? Did you? No. So, well, so at bigs, right. You have that, there's like the, the out and back that you have to do before you go out on the trail loop. So in 22, that's when I was having all the sleep deprivation issues and I like was just totally loopy and out of it. And so by the time I got back from the out and back, I didn't continue on to the trail. Um, and then the year before is just a night loop where I had gone out and before I got to the one K mark, I was already just at a point where I, I had in my head that I couldn't finish that loop. So I just turned around and came back. Right. Sure. Um, so when you finished on 98 and you, and you looked at the runners who were left, Harvey Lewis is there. Did you think at that point in time that were you expecting Harvey Lewis to be the last one standing or did you think there someone would be someone else? Yeah, honestly, I, th I thought it was just a toss up at that point. So Harvey definitely didn't. And there were points where he was really struggling. I was curious how the night was going to go and he didn't have to go through. He only had to do one more night loop. So that was fine. But um, he did better on the fourth night, but up until the fourth night. And if you've seen, I don't know, he's talked about in some of his podcasts, but he didn't sleep really. So he was having a really hard time sleeping and he didn't sleep even the night before the race. Well, I think he only got a few hours of sleep. So he was having some serious sleepy issues out on the, out on those night loops. So, um, yeah, I was, I know he's, he's just such a strong-minded person, right. To like get around, you know, when he's, you know, regardless of how he's feeling, but, um, yeah, I, I, I would, I'll probably just guess it was a toss up at that point as to who would keep going. Yeah. There were a few people that were, kind of barely hanging on at that point but um yeah i would i would put harvey's harvey and eeyore and um some of the others that were kind of consistently still going around at the same pace equal chances probably at that point yeah sure i'm not oh have you watched the um the uh the documentary on youtube of the most recent masters race at dead cow gully with harvey lewis on it uh i've watched yeah i think i did i think i did watch I, well i watched the inter interviews afterwards yeah of i don't know if that's the one but interviews with harvey and i think phil after after that race oh okay yeah um well you, you might know that harvey lewis he ran at dead cow gully in australia um mm -hmm. and they made a documentary about it It was released in the week leading up in the week leading into bigs and it, okay. yeah it's, it's really good um and the reason why I ask is because um, you've run with Harvey at least three times in backyard ultras. Yep. Um, and you may have heard him on those interviews you mentioned, he uses computer games as an analogy to talk about his character and he goes into races as a new character. And I was wondering um, if you thought he looked like a new character compared to the other times you've seen you've raced with him yeah no i mean harvey's a character but uh no i think uh no i i didn't really notice any any big difference sometimes he'll have uh he likes to also uh relate like different spirit animals to each race right yeah. so like he'll, he'll just give out you know yells and he's also infamous at bigs for like once in a while like the third or fourth night he'll just like sprint out of the starting crowd right 
Yeah. So it's like the third night, everybody's like limping to like get going on the loop, you know, are all tight. And Harvey just sprints. Right. And he just like sprints the first like hundred meters of it, which is just crazy, you know, <laughs> crazy to me. But um, yeah, so he he does that once in a while. But yeah, he always has different, different, he definitely is more into the mantra mantras and like different things, like getting, you know, focusing on different, like more abstract things while he while he's out there. Um yeah. I'm just not, I'm just more kind of logically focused on kind of what I what I'm doing. Yeah, sure thing. Um so how how did you pull up after the race? Like did you check, do you know what happened to your leg? What was wrong with it? Like is it were you injured or was it just are you better now or yeah, uh yeah, the I, I think I'm I'm pretty much healed now, but it took a long time. So uh the I, I just had some uh inflammation in the tendon between the you know the tibula the fibula down there, the two different bones, right? So that tendon in between there just from all the smashing on the ground, like every time you impact, right? You're like what's going into your into your leg bones, you know, pushing your leg bones apart there. And it is 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 it's pretty much like if I had a high ankle sprain that that tendon was just all angry. Um but it it lasted a long time. So like uh it took about a month probably before I was really like walking even normal and like having pain-free walking. So that's where like I think it's crazy that like, you know, RV a month later was, you know, yeah. already ramping up for another race. But yeah. um yeah, for me is it, it was rough going for a long time. I my is tough. I definitely had a, a gimp in my step for a, you know, three to four weeks. Yeah. Yeah, I think Harvey, he he ran to work like the next day or something after he, yep. he Yeah. Yep. Um, I am just hobbling around the hundred meters after walk from my car to my desk and didn't <laughs> want to move anymore after that. Yeah. Um is it is it something that you've ever experienced before that particular pain or injury? Nope, I haven't at all, actually. And all of my issues over the last couple of years have all been in my left leg and for some reason this year was my right leg. So it's just eventually something breaks down, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's just where where the pain was this year. I mean, some of it might have been. So, I actually had a really rough go in this race around forty two hours in. I was actually to the point where I didn't know if I was going to go much longer because I was starting to get some of that pain in my heel that I had the stress fracture in last year, um, which just immediately put me in a bad mental spot. But thankfully, my my uh, wife Kendra is my crew person. She she's she was level-headed got me you know just focusing on back to focusing on each loop but um i eventually ended up putting some inserts in my shoes that i don't usually run with um which helped my heel a lot um that pain just went away um and but then uh my right leg i don't think i don't know if that could have contributed to it as well then i ended up running another you know 200 miles with an insert in my shoe that i don't usually run with so it kind of threw everything off a little bit yeah um where you work do you are there other ultra runners there or are you like the only one no yeah i work at a large company we have like fourteen thousand people and there's a good amount of there, there are there's a handful of ultra runners there oh, that's another cool. runner that runs a whole bunch of 200 mile races so there's there's some folks around oh yeah oh that's good yeah because where i work no one there's no one and everyone thinks i'm crazy <laughs> yeah i work at a big enough company that there's bound to be other crazy people yeah um so i know that a lot of runners are attracted to backyard ultras because they see it as a way into um bigs and if they win bigs then it's their ticket to running at the barclay marathons Do, is um the barclay marathons a type of race that you're interested in or something that you're driven 
to um, make one day? Absolutely not. <laughs> that is not my style of race. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm a planner. I like to like get in my head of how everything's going to go. Right. And then I, you know, I have to be, have to be able to change and go with what happens, but Barkley marathon, because it's, it, you don't even know the course and no, nah, I, I like to focus on running. That's just <laughs> not my, not my jam. I like to, I like to be able to zone out and just run. So I, I don't think Barkley marathon is anything, even if I were to win bigs, I I'm, I'm sorry. I, I wouldn't go do it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, cool. Um, so I'm pretty sure that the 98 yards is enough to secure your spot at Bigs next year in 2025. Um, is that the plan to go back? Yeah, we'll see. Um, I was originally not expecting to go 2024 because that's my uh, my wife turns 40 during the race. Oh, I okay. but uh, well, uh, she she told me we could celebrate another time and go. So we'll. We'll see. Might end up still going here in 2024 at least, but 2025 so far away. It's hard to know. Um, there's there's other running goals out there too, and Biggs takes you know all my focus. So gotta gotta evaluate at the beginning of each year if that's really what's going to drive me and what I want to focus on because that's got if it's not what is going to excite me that year, I'm not going to do it. But last few years, there's just been so much fun. I've really enjoyed it, and I think the the team year this year I'll most likely do it. The team year, I mean, I like the individual year, but the team year just has a whole different vibe to it, you know, or running with a lot of runners that I already, you know, I spent a lot of time with and also just like the the team atmosphere of trying to get everybody through every single loop is just amazing at that team year. So it's going to be hard to pass that up, but we'll we'll see for 2025. Yeah. Now, you mentioned um, your wife's birthday. She was actually crewing for you during her birthday at Biggs just recently. Is that right? Yep, this year also spanned her birthday. So, yeah, she's she's a trooper. She uh, she she she's pretty dedicated to it as well. Uh, you know, she's she stays there the entire race and doesn't get more than you know thirty minutes of sleep the entire race at a time either. So, um, yeah, she's been there. She's I couldn't do this without her. So, uh, yeah, she stuck it out. Camping isn't really what she would usually pick to do on her birthday, but. Um, camping out in that tent with a whole bunch of other people so but no yeah she's done it and I have to make up I make up for it after or before the race yeah um so you did mention um bigs next year but and as we mentioned before like in all your backyard ultras so far if you haven't been the last one standing you've run a PR um and now you've run 98 yards and gotten so close to 100 I'm I'm I can imagine looking at it that you that you could be looking at it in two different ways. The first is that it makes you hungry to hit that 100 mark and because you got so close and you know you can do it. But the other is just the thought of having to go through 98 hours again just to reach your PB is just a mental drainer. Like I know some people who's who've PBs in the 30 like 35 36 and it just mentally drains them to thinking thinking about having to go through that again just to get their PB. So how do you feel about it now doing it again? Yeah, honestly, I don't I don't think it would be mentally draining for me because really my like I said, my goal every race is just to run till I can't run anymore. I'm the last person. So even next year, right? The goal is gonna be to run until I physically can't get around the loop or I'm the national champion. So that's that that would that'll be the goal going into next year. So, 
Um, sure. Like I said, it's milestones along the way. If I hit, you know, get above the 98, that's awesome. But, um, and also next year has the additional goal of, you know, helping the team, right. Get to see if we can, uh, if us team can win it. So, um, yeah, it's, I, I don't, I don't think it'll really weigh on me that much. Like I said, I'm, I'm usually pretty focused on, on one week better time in the backyard. Yeah. And because you've got so close to a hundred, does it, does it make you want to hit it? It'd be nice to, but you know, I don't know, like this year just wasn't happening. Right. Like that's what people like ask me, like, you're so close to a hundred. Why did you stop? Like I couldn't finish that loop. That's why I stopped. Like there wasn't a choice like, Oh, 98 is a good number. I'm going to stop here. So that's why I, I think that's why it doesn't really mentally isn't mental, you know, mental thing for me. And if I hit a hundred because that's how far I could go, that's awesome. But I just want to make sure, yeah, every backyard I'm focused on just going, going until my body physically can. So try to, try to come back a little stronger next year physically and hopefully that can help me uh, go a little further. Yeah. Um, with the um, backyard ultras, like you would know, like they're growing so popular. Um, yeah, I mean, they're growing so fast and there's quite a few bigger ones. There's not just, I mean, Biggs is the biggest, but there's other ones held around the world now, like Race of Champions in Germany, Suffolk, Suffolk in the UK. There's the Masters in Australia. Are you tempted to travel overseas to run in one one day? I'd love to, but I don't know. I also I don't want to spend all my vacation running. Um, I have a family. My my wife already is a good sport coming along and being such a good such good support for me that. We'll probably spend our vacations doing vacation things, but um, <laughs> I don't know. It, even with you know Tennessee, already takes for for my work schedule. I can't it can only take so many days off. So um, if I'm doing if I'm doing one, I could maybe do one. You know, pretty much that one race a year where it takes that much time is about my limit for what you know I'm going to do. So we'll see. Maybe someday, but also like I said, I have. We'll see where backyard goes, but there's there's other goals still in my mind of other races that I'd like to focus on at some point. So yeah. it might not be backyard every single year the rest rest of my good running days. Yeah. Um, so at the moment the world record's one hundred and eight. Um, do you have any idea of or of what what you think is going to happen with the world record? Do you reckon that will stay at one hundred and eight for a while, or what do you expect to happen? It's going to keep going up is my my expectation here. I mean, I don't know why. It'll eventually, maybe it'll slow down and won't go up so much every year. But, um, yeah, I feel like it's just going to keep keep going. So uh, Harvey seemed like he could keep going at the end there. And there's going to be somebody else. It's going to be a couple of folks that are, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, it could be before Biggs next year. I don't know. Or before the World Championship next year, somebody's going to do it or if it doesn't before then, I would expect there's going to be a new world record next year for the during the team championships. Yeah. So it'll keep going. I don't know where the limit is one day. Eventually, it gets to. I think the the sleep right is the main limiting factor there. Um, at some point, if you can, I mean, if you're on a course where a faster course where you can get more sleep, then then sure, maybe the thing can last six or seven days at some point. But I don't know. It's tough. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that the team champs this year, um, Belgium and Japan, will be hard to beat. And it wouldn't surprise me if they go close to beating the world record. Yep. 
And yeah, yeah. I definitely switched off. Uh, yeah. It's possible in the U.S. I mean, that's what kind of Harvey spoke to. Like, he didn't think it was it was possible to set the new world record on the big scores, but it happened. So, yeah. I mean, we can we can we can go far there, but yeah, I think around the world, it's going to happen somewhere. Yeah, well, I, I think it's um it's an amazing um it shows how strong the American team is that they actually won the team champs um, last year on that bigs course, on such a hard course, when you're up against countries like Belgium um, who pick a f flat course, but you're running on that trail like half the time. Yeah, I I mean, I think definitely there's some part to that, but also, I don't know, I haven't ran a, that many hours on a, on a course where you're running the same course every hour too. Like yeah. I said, like I, I do look forward to the trail. The trail makes it harder, but at the same time, it is nice to have like a, a changing course, right? Yeah. Um, just from a mental perspective, having something to look forward to, you know, every 11 to 13, you know, 11 to 13 hours. So, um, yeah, I think it, there definitely is an aspect of that, but also around the world, all the teams are getting better every, every year. So I think, you know, us last time we just, from top to bottom, we all, you know, we had a, a, just a solid group of runners all the way, all the way around. So that's why by the time it got to, you know, 60 years hours into the race, like we were, had quite a lead, but. I'm not so sure that's going to be the case going forward because just every every country keeps getting stronger. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you did mention you've got other goals and races that you want to do as well. So what what um, races do you have planned over the next 12 months? Yeah, so really I just have two races in the next 12 months. So I'm planning to do bigs again. Um, and then before that, I just like to do something in the springtime. So I'm not... 100% set on what I'm doing yet, but there's a, like a local, like last man standing race here. It's not backyard, but it's like every 20 minutes you have to run like this hilly course. Oh, yeah. Um, and then there's, then there's other like hundred miles of things. So I'm not completely set yet, but I'll probably just do one smaller race in May or June. Um, and then again, and do bigs in October. So that'll probably be my entire racing schedule next year. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds, sounds good. And, um, I like to end each podcast asking my guests for their um three backyard ultra tips so what would your advice be to someone who wants to do really well in a backyard ultra um yeah what would your three tips be uh i think the first tip would be not to not to look forward too much like focus on the moment focus on your hour and what you need to maybe you know how you can line yourself up for the next one or two hours to be successful um i think there's a lot of people that I think it's crazy. You're out there on the course and you're in, you know, you still have a couple of day loops left and they're talking about how I don't think I can make it till that through the end of the night. Like, why are you thinking about the end of the night? Just think about whether you can finish the next couple hours. So I think that's kind of the main thing. Um, or probably the top tip that I give folks. Um, other than that, yeah, just kind of, I think for me this year, a big thing was just kind of relaxing, just enjoying it. And when you have kind of a, I've always told my, I've told my wife, like I've noticed over the last couple of years, I think the, the, the trait that's actually, uh, the, the most beneficial to a, a backyard runner is being optimistic, like not your physical, like just your mental, just like, especially like you see it in Harvey when he talks, right. He's just like this overly positive guy, always looking for the positive. And I think to be successful in a sport like this, you just have to be an optimistic, positive person and keep that positive mindset going. Um, that's just so huge. And 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. Third tip. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. Just uh, I think I think being being open to trying different things during the race that um, you know, just kind of no matter how things are going, just kind of focusing on what you know. If I have something that wrong that's going, you know, going on, just you know, just see is there something I can do to improve it over the next hour, right? And then keep going. So kind of along the same vein of not not kind of focusing on the entire race and just focusing on what's going on right now. But like in my race where I had the heel issues of 42 hours, just kind of focusing on, okay, can I try something a little different? This let's see if it helps just get through the loop and then do that again and again. So anytime you have an issue, just kind of focusing on things. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, as far as the positivity go, goes, a really, really good example of someone who's really positive and really, great run is Courtney DeWalter. She's like one of the most positive attitude got one of the most positive attitudes of anyone I've I follow. Um yep. yeah. Yeah. Definitely agree. And yeah, and even on the she was the first year I was at Big, she was there. And yeah, she's definitely like one of the most positive people out there. Like giving everybody like, you know, encouraging everybody that's out there when you pass by each other. Like, yeah, she's definitely one of the more positive, positive runners out there. But there's a lot of them in the backyard, right? Like I said, I think to be really successful, you have to have at least part of that in you. But um, yeah, there's just so many people out there giving giving each other positivity and spreading around. And usually, the person spreading it is the one that's got the best mindset, right? So yeah, uh, yeah, it's just contagious out there. Yeah, I saw um, she was um, talking about how I think it might have been UTMB. She was going repeating in her mind, "Robot, robot, robot." um to keep herself going um pretending she was a robot i guess and um now she's brought out some um a clothing line with a picture of a robot on it <laughs> pretty cool very nice yeah um hey yeah, look john thanks heaps for coming on um to the podcast it's been really good to meet you and to hear all about your backyard journey you know, i'm really looking forward to following your um races that you've got coming up and to see how much further you can go yeah thanks David. it's been uh been fun chatting with you always like the chat running with anybody yeah awesome well yeah um have a good day hope um are you gonna head out in the cold just stay indoors all day or um yeah not so sure today uh yesterday i had to spend almost three hours snowballing and snow shoveling so that was my workout so yeah. well uh we'll see today if i venture out in the cold okay Sounds good. All right. Well, enjoy your day, whatever you do. And um, yeah, have a good one. All right. Thank you. Thanks, John. If you've enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you could share, comment, like, subscribe, all of that. If you've got any feedback, shoot me a message. Hope you have a great day. See ya.